0: through the whole four years of my PhD, like um, a willingness and um, a very much an openness by farmers to listen and to engage and to discuss what is possible on their farms. And I suppose, like like I said, you start with the easy wins and you keep moving from there. But I I think there is a certain openness and um, they're very much willing to engage.
1: Hello, I'm Cahill Summers
0: and I'm Gergit Lane,
1: your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 59, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. Ireland has announced that we're in a biodiversity crisis. With farmers being the main landowners across the country, farmers will play a key role in the solution.
2: Chagas can UCD Agriculture Innovation Support Programme, Welsh Fellow Eva Leader joins us to discuss her farmer focused research. Hi, Aoife, you're very welcome to the show.
0: Hi, dear Joe, Carl. Thanks for having me.
2: Eva, you're coming towards the end of your PhD. Can you tell us what the focus was of your study?
0: Yeah, so I suppose the ultimate aim of my study was to design a communication strategy all on farmland biodiversity management and how we can integrate that into the existing approaches that we have in agricultural advisory and in particular into Irish dairy discussion groups. So really, it's all about how we communicate with dairy farmers about biodiversity management. And I suppose when I'm talking about biodiversity management, what I mean are the simple practices that farmers can put in place on their farms that promote the retention, maintenance, enhancement and creation of biodiversity features that are common across most dairy farms. So those would be the likes of our hedges and watercourses and field margins, as well as farmyards and ponds and woodlands and, and maybe grassy habitats like low-input pastures. How were you received when you first started, EFA? How did
2: the farmers feel? out in the discussion groups or in the focus groups when you start, first start approaching the whole idea and concept of biodiversity with them?
0: Yeah, so I suppose I've kind of been on a nearly a four year journey with this now. And over that time, I suppose, biodiversity itself has grown and grown and become more commonplace um, for all of us, really. And as a, especially as a, an important part of achieving sustainability. But I suppose the role that farmers play in promoting and enhancing it has been highlighted more and more. So I suppose when I started out four years ago, it might have been more thought of as kind of this thing in the corner. Whereas now I can see, you know, farmers are and all the way along have been more than willing to engage with me and the topic um, and have been very positive towards it. But I can see now more and more how we can integrate it into our advisory, and um, but how, as well, farmers can integrate into their management practices in very simple ways. You know, it doesn't need to be like I said that that thing in the corner. We can integrate it in with with what with what's going on on farms already. So it's just a case of maybe thinking of say if you're going out cultivating or receding, what can you do in the field margins? There, maybe you might keep out a little bit with the sprayer, or with the cultivator, you know, and things like that are becoming more commonplace. And um, and I can certainly see that in the work that I've been doing. For the last four years that's fantastic Aoife.
1: it's it's always going to be hard job beef isn't it because if you think about it, the farmers have a kind of a bad rep in that in the media for sometimes not looking not uh, encouraging biodiversity but when you're on a farm and you're walking around the place looks alive like if you take for example the last couple of months with all the with all the thorn trees or white everything looks really nice but i know you've been working initially in your masters and now with the phd you start to work with monitor farmers and then you, you're you began you finalized transition to the dairy discussion groups can you tell me a bit about that what you did in in those groups
0: yeah so i suppose i kind of think of my study as like a story and um, with a few chapters to it the first chapter being the work that we did with monitor farmers and with those they were the chagas tier lawn giant program monitor farmers And with those, we trialed out a few different types of communication activities. So they co-created biodiversity management maps and plans with me, as well as um, carrying out a non-farm group, um, a group meeting where we integrated biodiversity, um, some farm visits. And because we were working COVID times back then, we tried to integrate biodiversity into their WhatsApp and into their um, online group meetings. And I suppose over that time, the farmers uh, all the monitor farmers really engaged with it and they made changes to their practices on biodiversity management but what really came from that was first of all they became kind of champions for biodiversity and then as well as that they provided a really solid foundation to further the research and I got the opportunity to upgrade my studies to a PhD so the next logical step was to try and scale up the reach that Communication on biodiversity could have with farmers. So the next step was to work with the dairy discussion groups. So I, I suppose, we entered into a phase of co design, and that meant that I asked lots of stakeholders for their input into how we can do learn from what happened with the monitor farmers and take it into discussion groups. So we designed a communication strategy that ran for a year and I implemented it with six dairy discussion groups in the Waterford and Kilkenny Chagas advisory region over the year.
1: Any particular reason why you selected dairy farms, If or was there a theory behind that?
0: Well, I suppose dairy farms are... are I suppose, especially in the southeast of Ireland, they're known for being intensive um, and they've gone through a lot of expansion. And I suppose we know that um, as a contributor to biodiversity loss is agriculture, among other things. So it was important to help these farmers to play their role in promoting and enhancing biodiversity and helping dairy farmers to do so. So communicating to them. So with the discussion groups, then we, I suppose, Intervene for a year within their regular meetings we did um, a group mapping exercise where each of the farmers sat down with their farm maps looked through them look, and marked up their hedges their watercourses, their field margins and brought biodiversity to life and that really set the scene um, we did a group mapping or sorry planning exercise then where they identified the targets and actions that they could take for their farms and like I said before it's simple actions like the thorn tree in the hedge, um, increasing the margin along water courses, adjusting spraying and cultivation practices, just the small things like that, that could fit in with their ongoing work on the farm. And then we also integrated biodiversity into their on-group, going group meetings throughout the year. So we looked at examples on host farms and spoke about what actions could be taken at different times of the year. And as well as that, then, as kind of a background um, communication activity, we had the use of their WhatsApp. So every now and again, the farmers would receive an update or a reminder or a video on the area of biodiversity management into their WhatsApp group.
1: And I think it's a masterstroke. And I've seen some of your work. I think it's really good. Um, And we found at NASAP as well, Deirdre, that once you bring a map onto a farm and you you quite a plan with that map so the farmer knows exactly what they need to do and they can visually see it and show it up in the bottom of the car I think you're halfway there at that
0: stage how did you find that? Oh the mapping is it was a really crucial part and the farmers they really engaged and you know just to see a group of farmers sitting down they had their coloured markers in their hand and their identifying their hedges their water course, their field margins and you see these maps start to come to life in front of you like even watching it happen myself you know you can see these features start to jump out and it's just about those bringing about those moments of realization for all of us sometimes we're just walking around we don't realize what we have but it when you actually look at it and think about it it's a lot of it's there and it's about protecting it and managing it and enhancing it going forward so that mapping exercise kind of like I said set the scene and then when you add the plan on top of that then you have a route of action so you you know what you're dealing with then do you think they were clear on what biodiversity was you know before you did the whole mapping strategy and you know, um, the- yeah, I think that by the time I was starting to work with the groups, you know, biodiversity, like I said, had was c- becoming more and more of a, a known thing. Or um, I suppose we all kind of know it, but that it that it was more to the forefront of people's minds. We were hearing a lot more about it even through the media. But um, yeah, I would think they did it. Um, it but the mapping, I suppose, kind of solidified what it meant for them on their farms. So you know this is what I have to deal with on my farm, what I can do to improve it and the practices that I can take to, to be a part of the journey towards improving biodiversity.
2: Yeah, so you developed a farmland biodiversity management communication strategy, quite the mouthful. Um, <laughs> so what does it contain, Aoife, and what can farmers expect from it?
0: Yeah, so basically it's like I said, the, it was a 12-month strategy it was all about integrating it in with the with the discussion groups, the regular meetings. So this wasn't that the groups were pulled away from their usual uh, focus and put solely on biodiversity. It was um, a matter of integrating it in. So in January, we went out, did the mapping exercise um, in April. Then we did the planning exercise. And this was all as a group. The farmers were looking at their own individual farms, but we were doing it as a group and be facilitating on it as a group. And then throughout the remainder of the year for three discussion groups, roughly every second group meeting, I would have come out and done a host farm visit with the advisor and with the farmer whose farm we were going out to with the group and helped them to set an agenda in which that we we incorporated biodiversity as a topic for five, 10, 15 minutes. It, it just as is it just to bring it in at some point, highlights a feature or a practice on the host farm or talk about some timely issue um, throughout the remainder of the year. And those host farm visits were great. Um, and, and the group visits were were great, too, because you really got to interact and engage with the farmers on the topic of biodiversity. And, you know, sometimes we'd set it, Okay, we'll talk about um, a certain aspect of the farm for 10 minutes. And oftentimes that would could roll out into 30, 40 minutes, you know, and it's just and it's the farmers who led that. They led that they would often lead the discussion, you know, and and putting questions to the host farmer. What how are you managing that? What's the plan here? You know, and it's great once you get the ball rolling, get the buy in you know, they're more than willing to 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 discuss it and to engage on it. I
2: saw a picture during one of the stakeholder groups and they were all sitting in a group together and they all had their maps in front of them and it was nearly like a little bit of a competition to see who had the most hedgerows and who had the most trees and who had the most ponds um, on, on the farms. I said they were surprised at how much nature and how much biodiversity was in existence on the farm anyway.
0: Yeah definitely and I suppose um there was a lot of moments of realization and brought about by the communication activities that we put in place throughout the commu- uh, the strategy um and i think yeah some of the farmers would have commented back i didn't realize um i had this much um but i suppose quantity is one aspect quality is another and that we captured that by looking at their practices um and trying to improve on that and that I suppose what the planning was all about then is okay we've looked at what's on the farms what can we do now to protect and improve and enhance them
1: and it kind of goes back to a point i was making earlier you're right until you do that baseline kind of survey that you've done with the farmers in, in our own heads on our own farms we think that we're doing quite a good job but then we can see exactly the areas that we can improve on i suppose so um you must have been doing something very well Leitha, because you had an unusual visit from a, a, a big farmer last year in waterford not think did you down for a discussion group or me an event was it
0: <laughs> that's quite right big
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um one of our monitor farmers Shane Fitzgerald and um, down on his farm we had um well he's king charles now prince charles at the time and yeah the, it's I suppose I've been lucky through my Walsh scholarship and through the UCD program to have had loads of different opportunities. That was definitely a highlight of the whole um, four years, you know, and apparently he's a, a big advocate for biodiversity as well. So it's nice to meet
1: I, I hope you did up a biodiversity plan for him and, and the <laughs> map. <laughs>
0: well, we showcase no what Irish farmers are doing for biodiversity, in particular the monitor farmers at the time, and he was impressed. So,
1: yeah, it's only a couple of hundred thousand hectares. It so might be a job to you <laughs> in the future.
0: Anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell, uh, tell us this. So, you, you've done a lot of work to date. What are your main findings so far? And how, I suppose, how are the farmers and, and not just farmers' advisors reacting to it?
0: Yeah. So, I suppose, I. My my study was really action research, and that meant that I, as the researcher, was out on about on the ground working with the groups and with the farmers. But I also had the support of a lot of stakeholders and advisors throughout that. And I suppose going forward, we know now that it's key that this, communication strategy needs to be practical for advisors to implement there was a lot of work that went in but we have to be conscious of the workload that advisors have as well as farmers and then keeping it engaging for farmers so we're working towards um you know designing that and building on the recommendations that I've gained from stakeholders even in the last couple of weeks and how we do that but I suppose go back to your question some of the the key findings really is that you know the farmers have been more than willing to engage and have been open to having biodiversity integrated into their discussion group meetings. Um, and when we look at the communication activities themselves, so the mapping, planning, integrating it to the WhatsApp and integrating it into their normal discussion group meetings, um, we see like that these activities allowed for sense making for the farmers to to make sense of biodiversity by creating moments of realisation about what's on their farms and what they can do, the practices they can take um, and allowing them to consider what they're already doing and make plans to move forward on that. And it also, I suppose, which is very important, it helps them to engage in open and inclusive discussion about the topic of biodiversity and then ultimately help to increase the importance of biodiversity in the overall management of their farms. So like I said at the start, that it's not this um, stand-alone issue, that it's something that we can integrate into overall farm management. Aoife, we
2: just had John Carrig on um, about the owls and the birds. Call um, us obsessed. with Our owls, owls can't beat them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just birds in general, I think. Um, have you seen any actions on farms um, in relation to biodiversity oh, that just go a little bit above and beyond what you expect to see?
0: Yeah, so I am um, like going out on farms. I know there's a great um, interest in birds of prey and doing more actions for them. I suppose there's a an element of, I don't know, in, interest about those kind of birds. You know, they're a bit unusual in a way, but Um, And there's lots of things that farmers can do on farm, simple and more, I suppose, higher end actions that they can take for biodiversity and and barn owls in particular. But, yeah, I have had a few farmers with interest in them and I have one in particular. And he only sent me pictures of his newest clutch of uh, barn owl chicks being uh, ringed there in the Kilkenny area not so long ago. And I suppose it's just I suppose he has good contact with Birdwatch Ireland and things like that. And, you know, and he has. I suppose, identified areas of the farm where bird boxes can be placed um, in conjunction with some experts on that. Um, And it's the the fruit, the fruits are there that you have the little chicks every year.
2: And these are quite intensive dairy farmers with this conscience there as
0: well, which is nice to see. Yeah, definitely. And I know going out on post-farm visits and out to the groups, like there is a sense of pride about having your biodiversity features good. And, you know, I think a lot of it is about highlighting this not just to the farmers but also to the public you know when getting the message across like farmers do are have a lot coming at them in terms of um get it becoming more sustainable but they are making the the steps towards that and they are on a journey Um, so it's about I suppose highlighting that um which you know even going out to farms and just pointing out one or two things and you know you can sometimes you see the sense of pride that 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 gives a farmer that's fantastic, Aoife. So now I'd say you're exhausted by
2: everything. So your
0: pilot is done. So what's next for you? So um, I suppose within the last few weeks, I held the final stakeholder workshop. So that's a another step in the co-design um, of the final communication strategy. So it's about now building on the recommendations of those stakeholders in combination with everything that's happened all along and all the learnings that we've gained throughout, um, and I suppose it's it's really now it's about writing it all up and getting it down on paper so that it can be used as a practical guide in the future for the advisory services.
1: A hard question now to finish up with, if i really going to put you on the spot, but <laughs> a, re- a really important question. Um, and it's come back to what I said at the start. So we, we know we have a biodiversity crisis announced farmers at the top of the agenda is because we own a lot of the countryside. What's the feeling on the ground? And I know you've been working with dairy farmers and down the southeast, they're deemed to be most intensive. Uh, and I know from ASAP and you're, you're the same, that any farmers we visit, they're always full of questions about biodiversity. Hedgerows, how can we improve it? So mm-hmm. to us on the ground, we don't feel like there's kickback. How do farmers feel in your groups about that, the reputation that they're being given that they're almost anti-biodiversity?
0: Yeah, I suppose it's it's a struggle. Like it's it doesn't help... Um, you know when farmers feel like they're being i suppose put down and when they are trying to make the the changes towards biodiversity but at the same time they're still open to engage like i i felt like through the whole four years of my phd like um a willingness and um a very much an openness by farmers to listen and to engage and to discuss what is possible on their farms and i suppose like like i said you start with the easy wins and you keep moving from there um but i, I think there is a certain openness and um they're very much willing to engage
1: i think you've really hit the nail on the head there and all it's going to take and i think and you have, you've proved that through the work that you've been carrying out is that farmers just need a bit of support bit of direction and, and you're willing to become involved. So that, that's very positive going forward.
0: Certainly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: That's great, Aoife. Thanks a million for your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show and very best luck in submitting your PhD in a couple of months time. We're looking forward Thanks. to your the, the outputs from it.
0: Thanks very much, Gahal and Deirdre. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Chagask Environment Edge podcast.
2: Thanks to Chagask and UCD Agriculture Innovation Support Programme Walsh Fellow Aoife Leader for joining us on the show.
1: Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahill Summers.
2: And I'm Georgia Glenn.
1: Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to Farm Sustainability.